Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. The entire preaching time on this one verse, but I can't properly address my text without at least saying something about it. Jesus made this announcement that he was the light of the world during the Festival of Tabernacles. During this festival, the Israelites would camp in tents to remember when they wandered in the wilderness. At the evening time, they would light giant candlesticks that would be a beacon of light and remind them of when God was a pillar of fire leading them through the wilderness. It was with this stage set that Jesus announces, I am the light of the world. You see, Jesus, he was making a claim to be God. But he was making a claim not only to be the light of the nation of Israel, but now a light for the nations. In Isaiah, we read about the coming servant of the Lord. It says, it is too small a thing. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus was making a claim to be God and the servant of the Lord that God sent. He wasn't just claiming enlightenment. He was claiming to be the light. He was making a claim to offer that whoever would follow him would never once again be in darkness. But if you refuse to follow him, You will walk in darkness, for he and he alone is the light of the world. You may look in other places, but you will not find it. The text goes on, it says, The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Why were they challenging Jesus? What were they challenging? They were challenging the statement that is trustworthy and true that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is the light of the world that rescues believing sinners from darkness. They were challenging this claim specifically, but other claims of Jesus' identity generally. They said, your testimony isn't valid, Jesus, because you're witnessing on your own behalf. But why, why couldn't they accept someone's witness who was testifying about themselves? Well, in the Mishnah, the rabbinic teachings that represented how the Pharisees taught and thought, there was a saying similar to this. If there are two men, and one says, I am a priest, and the other says, I am a priest, then both testimonies are invalid. But if the same two men assert that he is a priest and he is a priest, then their testimony is true. You see, they believed that a man could not testify on his own behalf, but could only testify on someone else's behalf. How would Jesus respond to this critique? How would he respond to this challenge? The word says, Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I come from and I know where I am going. But you, you have no idea where I came from. You have no idea where I am going. Jesus didn't accept their challenge as valid. 
Jesus said that he had the right to testify on his own behalf for two reasons, where he came from and where he was going. So it begs the question, where did Jesus come from? The crowds had their answer. The Pharisees had their answer. But what was real? Where did he come from? He came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He came from the throne room of heaven with the authority of the Father to do his will. Jesus was saying, I don't need to abide by your human, man-made rules. I'm the God-man who was sent by the Father, stands with the Father, and speaks what the Father leads me to speak. This law's origin was human. And to be sure, Jesus was human. But he also came as God the Son and the Son of God. The Almighty was right before them, and they didn't recognize him. The Pharisees repeated that temptation to doubt. Did God really say? Can we really trust his word? Can I believe that you are the light of the world that rescues believing sinners from darkness? You might say, okay, okay, it's fair to reject the Pharisees' claim based on this man-made law, but what about Jesus' testimony? In John chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus himself said, If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. What do we do about that? It sounds like Jesus is speaking out of both sides of his mouth. It sounds like he's contradicting himself, does it not? Well, we understand the context in which Jesus said, If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. Right before that statement, He said, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. We understand that whatever the Father led Jesus to speak, he spoke. What he was saying when he said, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true, is that if I speak without the leading and prompting of the Father, if I speak without any other witness, then in that case it would be self-testimony, in which case you could disregard. But Jesus did not do that. He did everything that the Father led him to do, He spoke only what the Father led him to speak. Jesus was showing us that his testimony was backed by the Father. He came from the Father and would return to the Father. He came with heavenly authority. And because the Pharisees knew not where he came from, the Pharisees knew not where he was going, they had no right to doubt his testimony. So why can we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Why can we believe that he is the light of the world that rescues believing sinners from darkness? Because he came from God, he will return to God, and the Father is backing every word. Jesus goes on in his rebuke of the Pharisees. He says, you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. So Jesus offers this rebuke. He says, you judge according to human standards, literally according to the flesh. You judge by mere appearances alone, but I don't judge in that way. I wasn't sent to condemn the world, but to save the world. If I do judge, I judge in partnership with the Father
He came to that which was his own. Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, would be given the right to be called children of God. Even though he did not come to judge, humanity was judged by his coming. They were split by those who would receive the light and by those who would choose darkness. By those who would receive him and by those who would reject him. Even though he did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. John 3.17, the world would be judged by his coming. Jesus didn't judge as the Pharisees do. When he judged, he judged in partnership with the Father. And because he stood with the Father, we can believe that Jesus is the light of the world who rescues believing sinners from darkness. He didn't come to judge the world, but to rescue the world. He doesn't want you to stay in darkness, but desires you to come to the light, to walk with him as the light. Finally, Jesus makes one more argument. He says, in your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Jesus goes to common ground. He says, in, in the law of Moses, Deuteronomy 19.15, the law says that one witness is not enough to convict someone of a crime. In, in, the, in the law that we both agree comes from God, in the law that we both agree can be a standard of measurement that's ob- objective, my testimony is established as valid. I have two witnesses. Myself, I'm my first witness, and my father. My father is my second witnesses, and if you want more, I already gave them to you. Go check out John chapter 5, where Jesus gives all this, this, this huge list of witnesses. He said, John the Baptist, he came as a witness to the light. He came to testify about me. He said, check out the scriptures. You Pharisees, you've been searching them for life, but it's those scriptures that testify about me. They've been telling you all along that I am who I say I am. I am the light of the world. I am the one who came to rescue believing sinners from darkness. He said, check out Moses, the one that you guys claim to follow. He pointed to me. He was talking about me, but if you're not going to listen to him, you're certainly not going to listen to me. He said, have you not seen my works? My works and my miracles, they testify about me. I have all these witnesses. There's so much evidence. If this was a court of law, my testimony would be established. Why do you not believe me? He said, but I'm not going to call any of those other witnesses now. Today, I'm calling just one. I'm calling the Father. I'm calling the Father. Your, your law, it asserts that just two human witnesses is all it takes to establish testimony is valid. How much more, then, should you receive the God-man's testimony? How much more should you receive the God-man's testimony in partnership with God the Father? If two human witnesses counts, how much more should you believe the God of the universe? How much more? I tell you, here is a statement that is trustworthy and true. Jesus is who he says he is. I hope you see the evidence beginning to compile. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one who rescues sinners from darkness. 
Then the Pharisees, they asked him, where is your father? It's hard to understand what the Pharisees are getting at here. After all, they were seeking to arrest him and kill him for the very reason that he called God his father, thus making himself equal with God. John chapter 5. It's unlikely that they had forgotten that they were pursuing Jesus, trying to arrest him because he had called God his father. So what are they getting at? Was this a stab at Jesus? Many scholars believe that Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, died at a young age because he isn't mentioned after Jesus is age 12. Were they mocking him in question of his dead father? Where is he? If so, that would be cruel, but even that I don't think makes sense. Most likely, I think they were just asking, prove it. If your father's your second witness, if he's the one you've called, then prove it. Where is he? Jesus says, you don't know me or my father. Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus was saying, how can you know my second witness if the only way to know my second witness is through me? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you don't accept me, the light of the world sent by the Father, then you're not going to accept my second witness. You've chosen to walk in darkness. You have not been rescued because you have not believed you will not accept my second witness. And then John adds an interesting remark. He says, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple. In the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Why would John put this in the middle of this dialogue, in the middle of this narrative? What significance does this possess? Well, at the end of chapter 7, the Pharisees and the temple guards had this um, argument. The temple guards were sent to arrest Jesus, but they came back to the Pharisees and said, we couldn't arrest him because of the way he taught. No one's ever taught like this man. No one's ever spoke the way that he spoke, and now the Pharisees are face-to-face with Jesus. This is the perfect opportunity. Why didn't they seize him? Just like the temple guards, they were struck by what Jesus had said. His hour had not yet come. No, God had a plan. And it was not yet time for that plan to advance. It was not yet time for Jesus to be taken. To be sure, he would be taken. But it was not yet time. God had a plan. But his hour had not yet come. The dialogue between Jesus and the Pharisees goes on. He says, once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Where was Jesus going that they could not come? Well, he was going to the cross to die as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. He was going to the grave. They could not follow him there. But he would not stay there. No, he would rise victorious over sin and death. 
And soon he would ascend back to the Father enthroned as the king of the world. Why could they not follow him there? Because the Father is in heaven, and heaven is reserved for those that have trusted that Jesus is who he says he is. For those that believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing in him they may have life in his name. They couldn't go where he was going because they were going to die in their sin. Notice it says sin, not sins. What was the sin? The sin of unbelief. Jesus said, I'm going away and you will look for me, but why would they look for him? If he was going to die on a Roman cross, and he would, why would they look for him? Their plans were accomplished. They were trying to kill him anyway. If he was going to ascend back to the Father, we know that the Pharisees are just going to make up a lie. They're going to tell the temple guards, tell everyone that the disciples stole the body. Why would they continue to look for him? Because Jesus was the Messiah. And if they had rejected him as Messiah, they they still thought another Messiah was coming. But no Messiah would come. They would look for the Prince of Peace because their anxiety would never go away. They would look for the light of the world because they were still walking around in darkness. They would look for the hope of the nations because they still were in their despair. They would look for a Savior to rescue them from their sins, but no Savior would come because they looked Him in the face and they rejected Him. This is the God of the world we're talking about, and they said no. You will die in your sin. They disrespected the God of the universe and he still had enough love in his heart to warn them. You will die in your sin if you do not believe in me. I am the only hope. I am the only light. There is no other way. I am the light of the world. I'm not a light. I'm the light of the world. I am the one who rescues you. If you reject me, there's no other option. But they will look and they will look and they will look until they die in their sin. Because Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. The Pharisees, they were so confused. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he, said, is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? Jesus would not kill himself, but he would lay down his life voluntarily. He said, I have authority to lay my life down, and I have authority to raise it up again. Jesus would lay down his life voluntarily for the life of his sheep. He would die as the light of the world so that he could rescue sinners. He died in their place, the the death that they deserved because they sinned against a holy God. A sacrifice had to be made and he would do it. He would voluntarily say, I will stand in your place. I will take the punishment. I will pay for your sin. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to go through, we can trust that he is who he says he is. He was willing to go through sin and death, something he had never experienced for you. 
Can you see the evidence adding up, demonstrating that he is the light of the world? He came from the Father. He would return to the Father. He stood with the Father. He was willing to sacrifice to show you that he is the light of the world. But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, you indeed will die in your sins. Now sins is plural. You will die in your evil and wicked deeds because you will die in your sin of unbelief. Jesus told the Pharisees, we're nothing alike. You're of this world. You think worldly thoughts. You're stumbling in darkness. I'm from above. I live to please the Father. I walk as the light. He warns them yet again, if you do not believe that I am, you will not experience light and life. They will die in their sins because they will die in their sin unless they choose to believe that he is the light of the world, that he's the bread of life, that he's the one who offers living water. This question, perhaps most disrespectful of all, who are you? They asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied, I have much to say in judgment of you. But he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. Perhaps they asked, who are you? Because Jesus said, I am. And then in the Greek text, there's nothing after it. He didn't fill in the, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd. It just said, I am. So perhaps it was a genuine question, you are what? Anything in your translations is filled in for your benefit. Some say, I am he, that is, I am God. Some say, I am, and leave it full stop, causing us to think back to Exodus 3, where God is talking to Moses and say, says, I am has sent me to you. Some say, I am who I claim to be. Unless you believe, I am. I think they're all fitting because who Jesus claimed to be was God, the great I am. But the Pharisees' question still hangs in the air. Who are you? Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I'm the bread of life that satisfies the hungry. I'm the living water that quenches your thirst. I'm the light of the world that saves you from darkness. I've been telling you I am God. I'm the son of God. I'm the son of man. I'm the holy one of God. I'm the king of Israel. Have you not been listening I sent John to tell you. I sent him to prepare the way, and now I'm here. I announced the kingdom of God and his coming. Repent, for the kingdom is near. My message hasn't changed. I've been telling you the same thing from the beginning. He finishes by saying, I have much to speak in judgment, but I, I won't speak it today. Father isn't leading me to speak that judgment on you. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. 
The Pharisees will, in fact, know one day that Jesus is who he says he is. The Pharisees will know that Jesus is the light of the world and that there is no other. That one day is the day when Jesus would be lifted up on a Roman cross according to the plan of God. That one day would be when Jesus is lifted up out of the grave into resurrection life. That one day would be when Jesus is lifted up, seated at the right hand of God, throned, enthroned as the king of the world. On that day, they would no longer be able to deny who he was. They would know. That does not necessarily mean that they would repent, believe, and follow, but they would know that Jesus is who he says he is. Finally, we come to verse 30. Even as he spoke, many believed. Many believed. What will you do? Will you believe that we can trust the testimony of Jesus? Will you believe that we can trust Jesus is who he says he is? Will you believe that we can trust the character and the word of God? I ask you, will you believe that Jesus is the light of the world who rescues believing sinners from darkness? If you do, you will not walk in darkness. You will have the light. You will have Jesus and you will have life. In the introduction, I said that if this is not true, then none of this matters. You should have stayed home. But if it is true, and I believe that it is, and I've presented a case that it is, from the scriptures, from the word of God, then this matters a great deal. I hope you see what's at stake. It's the difference between eternity walking in outer darkness, and a name for hell, in John 3, or walking with the light, in the light. I hope you see what's at stake. It's the difference between tasting and eating of the bread of life, experiencing life with God now and forever, or being eternally hungry, always longing for something more. It's the difference between undying thirst and living water. I hope you see what's at stake. It's dying in your sin and therefore your sins, or living with God for eternity, living with God today. On that day, even as he spoke, many believed. They believed a statement that's trustworthy and true, that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's the light of the world that rescues believing sinners from darkness. On that day, many believed. I leave you with, will you? Will you? Father God, we thank you for your word that's trustworthy because you are trustworthy. We thank you for a time to gather. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself as the one who can rescue them from darkness, as the one who can save them from their sin, as the one who is the light of the world. 
I pray that we would believe that is who you are and that it would change the way that we live. Thank you for this day that you have made. Amen.